We are in the middle of chapter 32, and chapter 32 is the chapter about Ahavat Yisrael. We're on a trajectory. We're trying to get to the space of total joy, because joy is the way to serve Hashem. With joy, we are, in, we are invincible. When we're happy, we're invincible. We are able to tackle anything. We will win when we're serving Hashem. So we're on this path since chapter 26. And then the last chapters, chapter 29, chapter 30, chapter 31, they were deep exercises that seemed so hard. And it was really just about realigning ourselves with our soul as opposed to our body, animal consciousness, and our ego. And the altar said, now that you're in this space, because joy is about aligning ourselves with our soul, on the account of our body, there's always going to be reasons to be sad, to be dragged down, spiritually, physically. On the account of the soul, there's always going to be a reason to be happy. And the primary reason to be happy that we learned last week was we are recognizing that our soul is in captivity in the body and it's not in a good place. But every single time that we study Torah and we do a mitzvah, we release our soul from captivity and that brings incredible joy. So we are realigned. We are aligned now with our soul. And the altar said, listen, you are aligned now with your soul. This is the perfect way to have, to fulfill the mitzvah of love your fellow as yourself, which seems to be impossible. Like we started off last week. Is it even possible to love somebody like you love yourself? And the answer is, no way. And of course, if you're living in the body consciousness, it's impossible. If you're ego-based, then anybody else's ego takes away from yours. But if you're soul-based, essentially, we're anyway one. We're not asking you to create anything new. It's already there. It's like loving yourself. We all share the same root source. We're all truly one. We form one entity. From this base, loving another is just as easy as loving your own self. Now, let's talk about this because we remember we said that this man came to Hillel and said, convert me on the condition that you teach me the entire Torah while I stand on one foot. And he says to him, what is hateful unto you, do not do to your friend. This is the entire Torah. The rest is his interpretation. Now go study. Come on. Is this the entire Torah? And Rashi actually speaks about this over there in the Talmud. He explains how could Hillel say that this is the entire Torah? What is hateful unto you, do not do unto your friend. This is the entire Torah. So Rashi gives two interpretations. He says, let's look what Re'acha means, your friend. And he said, your friend refers to Hashem. Quoting Mishlei, Re'acha v'reya avicha al ta'azayv. Your friend and the friend of your father do not abandon. So don't do to your friend what you don't want done to yourself. What don't you want done to yourself? You don't want when somebody doesn't listen to you. You don't want when somebody disobeys your will. Don't do that to Hashem. That's one explanation. Then he gives another explanation and he says, it doesn't mean the entire Torah it means most of the Torah. There are so many mitzvot that are dependent on this mitzvah. Don't do to your fellow what you wouldn't want done to yourself. For example, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery. You wouldn't want some that, someone to do that to you. Don't do that to somebody else. But a lot of commentaries took issue with Rashi. The Maharal says this is very far-fetched. 
Why are you saying your friend refers to God? If so, Hillel should just say, don't do to God what you don't want done to yourself. He said your friend. And also, Hillel said, he didn't just say this is the Torah. He said, this is the whole Torah in its entirety. He made it very clear that this is the entire Torah. Don't do to others what you don't want done to yourself. How is this possible? Is this really the essence of the Torah? So now let's look at the Pasuk, the verse in the Torah. What does the Torah say? The Torah says, Love your fellow as yourself. Targum Yonatan translates this loosely as Hillel does. Don't do, your fr- don't do unto your friend what is hateful to you. But why are they translating it in the negative sense? The verse literally means love your fellow as you love yourself. Why are they saying don't do to your fellow what you hate? So the Tzemach Tzedek, this is the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, he gives an in-depth Kabbalistic treatment to many of the mitzvot. And one of the mitzvahs that he gives this treatment to is the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael. And he explains, there is something specific that you really don't like done to yourself. And what is it? You hate when somebody focuses on your flaws. You don't like when somebody notices something bad in you and suddenly makes that important. We have to understand, our sages say, A person doesn't see a fault in himself. Really? We don't see a fault in ourselves. Who knows our faults better than us? We know our faults the best. What does it mean that we don't see faults in ourselves? It means that while we are intellectually aware of our faults, they don't evoke an emotional reaction. We have self-love and they're not important. Okay, I have this fault. Big deal. Does it bother us? It bothers us, but not the same way. Our self-love really covers over everything. Why does somebody get upset when someone calls them out on a flaw? Because suddenly they're giving importance to something that to them holds no significance. They're not saying you, told, you made up a lie. They're not saying you told me something I didn't know. Not only do I know it, I know it even better than you do. I know my flaws better than you do. But suddenly you're making them important. That's what you hate. Out of your self-love, you you don't have this emotional response to that which you intellectually know, that's how you should be with your friend. Even if you are intellectually aware of their flaws, but it shouldn't evoke an emotional reaction in, within you. That's what it means. Don't do to your fellow that which you don't want done to yourself. There's something specific that you don't want. You don't want your flaws uncovered. So now let's go look at this chapter and understand how truly the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael is the essence of the entire Torah. And Hill wasn't exaggerating. When he put it in a line, this was the line. So we're on page three of the printed out copies. Okay, up to now, the Altarebbe has discussed the mitzvah of loving one's fellow on its own merits. He now proceeds to discuss the value of this mitzvah as the basis for all the commandments, thereby elucidating yet further the importance of rejoicing with the joy of the soul alone. The fact that through the power of joy, we can reach the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael underscores further how important joy is. Through reaching joy, we can come to keep this mitzvah that is the entirety of the Torah. The Talmud relates that it was Hill the Elder who authored the well-known statement that Ahavat Yisrael, the love of one's fellow Jew, is the basis of the entire Torah. Hillel had been approached by a Gentile who declared that he wished to convert to Judaism, but only if Hillel would teach him the entire Torah while he stood on one foot. 
Hillel replied, What is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. That is the whole Torah. The rest is but commentary. An obvious difficulty presents itself. All mitzvot fall into either of two categories. A, ben adam lachavero, between man and man, and B, ben adam lamakom, between man and God. It is readily understood how all of the mitzvot of the former category may be motivated by one's love of his fellow. But how can this love motivate one to fulfill any of the mitzvot belonging to the latter category, to observe Shabbat, for example? How are you going to say that Ahavat Yisrael is the essence of keeping Shabbos? The Alter Rebbe's answer follows from his previously stated principle that the essence of Ahavat Yisrael lies in giving priority to one's soul rather than to his body. This is indeed the basis of the entire Torah, as the Alter Rebbe continues. So there's an anecdote that I heard growing up. And it is about a teacher who noticed that one of his brilliant students had a problem with kindness. And one day before class, he sees that one of the boys goes over to this boy and says, I forgot my pencil. Could you lend me a pencil? And the boy says, no. And the teacher starts class and he calls on this great student. And he says to him, please read this verse, translate it and explain it. So the boy is proficient in his studies. He reads the verse, he translates and explains it. And he said, you read the verse, you translated, but you didn't tell us what it means. And so the boy tried again. He read it, he translated, he tried to put it in his own words. And the teacher said, you read the verse, you translated it, but you still didn't tell us what the Torah means. And after three times trying, the boy gives up. And the teacher looks at him and says, the Torah means lend your friend a pencil. Every single verse in this Torah points to this. Ahavat Yisrael. You may be able to read, you may be able to translate, but if you're not fulfilling the mitzvah, you cannot even understand what the Torah means. So this is truly the essence of the whole Torah. And let's look at Hillel's words. V'zehu she'amar Hillel hazakein al-kiyo mitzvah zai. Zehu koha taira kula ve'idach peirushahu kule. This explains Hillel the elder's statement concerning the concerning the fulfillment of this mitzvah. This is the entire Torah. The rest is but commentary. So how could he say that? So in order to understand the upcoming words of the Alter Rebbe, let's look at the pulse of the universe. This entire world is filled with motion. The essence of it is running and returning. The heart contracts and expands. The lungs inhale and exhale. People go to sleep, they, they go into a state of relaxation, and then they're up again, and they're using their faculties. Everything is about being and non-being. And in fact, this whole dynamic is really the essence of time as well. So in the oldest work of Kabbalah, known as Sefer Hayatzira, the book of formation, it is attributed to Abraham, to Avraham Avinu, he has this cryptic phrase. It says, V'im ratz libcha, shuv le'echad. And if your heart hastens, return to one. What does that mean? So let's look at Yechezkel's vision. Yechezkel has this vision. It is famously known as Maisa Merkava. The work or the act or the science of the chariot, the divine chariot. And the Mishnah in talking about how, many, how large a group can be when we discuss this different subjects 
Some of them cannot be as big as three, and some of them cannot be as big as two. Discussing Ma'ase Merkava, the science of the chariot, it can't even be one. It has to be a student that you know is already well-developed in all his studies and can sense things deeper than other people. Nowadays, we're privileged that as we get closer to the times of Mashiach, this is available to us all. We are able to study these deep secrets, Ma'ase Merkava. Now, in Ma'ase Merkava, Yechaskel describes the living beings, the angels, that he calls them chayot, which means animals. They're living beings. And he says, The living beings were running and returning. Now, interestingly enough, when we hear the terms living being and we think about Yechaskel's chariot, a lot of times we make this picture in our mind of winged creatures with bizarre-looking animal faces, and we think that this is what describes the divine chariot. Rabbi Steinsaltz has an incredible article on last week's Parsha, Parsha's Vayachi, where he talks about Yaakov's inability to communicate the end of days, the Kates. And he explains that certain things cannot be communicated, not because the communicator lacks skill. It's because the words don't exist in our reality. Like try to describe to somebody who's blind from birth what it means to see. Or describe to a colorblind person the difference between green and purple. You cannot because they don't have a perception of this. And so there's no vocabulary to communicate it. What are angels? The Rambam in Maranavuchim describes them as Sechalim Nivdalim, separate intellects. Yechaskel describes them vividly with all this description as though they are some type of creatures with wings and animal faces. Why? Because Yechaskel, seeing what he saw, was on one side of the curtain, and us, his audience, are on another side of the curtain. We have no perception of what he saw. So he is trying as best as he can to communicate in our vocabulary that which is essentially uncommunicable. So just to understand this concept of angels with wings, we have to understand they're not physical forms. They're, they're separate intellect that we cannot fathom. But in order to describe these essences in some way that we can relate to, Yechaskel describes them the way that he did. So what is this running and returning? This running and returning is the pulse of the universe. This is what's going on. And the, the principal dynamic of the Torah is this too. Ratzai Vashayv, running and returning. In, fa- in fact, the famous Mashpia, Rav Shmuel Grinem Esterman, says, points out that Ratzo Vashov has the same numerical value as Torah. This is the principal spiritual dynamic of the Torah. What is it? Ratzo means trying to transcend the physical. We're here. And we want to escape the body. We want to escape the materialism of the world. We want to transcend and touch the divine. That's one dynamic. And we need that. But then what does Avraham Avinu write in Sefer Yetzirah? If your heart hastens, if your heart runs, return to one. Come down in order to fulfill the will of Hashem. So when we transcend, we reach a new level of understanding, a new level of depth. But the point is not to fully escape. The point is with our new transcendent awareness, then pull that back down and channel it into worldly matters. Channel it into the world. And this is the dynamic. Again and again, we run and then we return. 
But then when we run again, we have a higher level of consciousness. We reach this transcendent space and then we pull it back down again. And there's a story of the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya. He used to study with the son of his teacher, the Mizritcher Magid. He was known as Rabbi Avraham the Malach, the angel. He was so separate from matters of this world. And one time they were studying together and the Alter Rebbe noticed that Rabbi Avraham was in such a state of ecstasy that he was in danger of leaving this world. And he forced him to eat a bagel and butter, to pull him back down into this world. Because ultimately we have to call to mind the fact that it's not just about us. Transcending is good. We need to transcend. But that's not the end all. The end all is pull it back down in a higher level, from a higher level of consciousness. So this term, Ratzov Ashov, is mirrored to in the idea of Ha'ala'a and Hamshacha. They're not always synonymous, but sometimes they're synonymous. And Ha'ala'a means raising upward transcending the same idea and hamshacha is pulling down bringing down the divine into the material world okay so understanding now that this is the spiritual dynamic of the entire torah transcending and then pulling down again we're going to understand how avas yisrael is really the essence of the entire torah Okay, so that was one subject, and that was Ratzavashov slash Hala and Amshacha, running and returning. Now, bear with me, and let's move to mitzvah. What is a mitzvah? A mitzvah comes from the words, as pointed out in Kabbalistic writings, Tzavsa Vechibor, connection. Every single mitzvah is a link to the divine. Every single mitzvah is about man connecting to God. That is the point of a mitzvah, to connect man to God. And it's very important, and Rabbi Shtein also points this out in earlier chapters in Tanya, that a lot of times we want to confer holiness on things that are not inherently holy in our own way. But man by himself cannot create holiness. We are finite, and Hashem is infinite, and the finite cannot bridge the gap to the infinite. We can only bridge the gap by the rope that he gave us. And that is Torah and mitzvot. Every time we do a mitzvah, we forge this connection to Hashem. And this connection is forged in two ways. One, by transcending the physical, by refining and by elevating. And two, by taking the divine and bringing it down. By doing a mitzvah, taking his will and giving it physical form in this world, we draw down. Now, this idea of trying to like create things holy and get into this charmed space, it's very self-serving. And it's not clear, logical thinking. It reminds me of this story where this man came by the Rebbe. He was having marital problems. And he said to the Rebbe, I don't know, I'm having these troubles. And he asked, I heard that if you fold your talit the, right after Shabbat, it's a segula, it's a good omen for shalom bias, for peace in the home. And the Rebbe said, I don't know about that, but I do know that rolling up your sleeves and helping to wash the, dish- the dishes on Matzai Shabbos is a great omen for peace in the home. You know, think practical. It sounds great. Like fold your tallit the second Shabbos is over and there's peace in the home. But what about roll up your sleeves and wash the dishes? Help out in the house. Be kind 
and you'll have peace in the home. And the same thing, you, you want to do these, say this verse seven times and you want to walk in a fantastical way and do some magical movements and then come to this enchanted space. One second, you want to come close to Hashem? Hashem told you how to do it. He said, I'm giving you mitzvot. Instead of running around and looking for a special segula, the best segula that we have is a mitzvah. Hashem says, this is a connection. You do this, you connect to the divine. So you want to get holier, you want to get closer, pick something that you think you can do better or that you haven't tried yet, a mitzvah, and try it out. That is the best segula we have for getting close to Hashem. Okay. So now let's look at the next words of the Alter Rebbe. Understanding now that we do what a mitzvah is. Connection to Hashem. Ki yisayid v'shayresh kol ha-tayra hu l'hagbiyah For the basis and root purpose of the entire Torah is to elevate and exalt the soul high above the body. That is the point. That is the root purpose of the entire Torah is elevating the soul Above the body. How is Ahavat Yisrael performed? How are we able to truly love another like we love ourselves? Only by elevating the soul above the body. The essence of every mitzvah is a, supposed to fix within us the awareness of our soul. Naturally, our soul is aware of the truth. That there's nothing else besides Hashem. Why do we think otherwise? Because our body consciousness covers over it. And our body consciousness is an ego consciousness, self-centered. Every single mitzvah is there to fix within us the soul consciousness, become so permeated with the awareness that there's nothing else besides Hashem, a pure level of nullification to the divine where we see ourselves only in terms of our divine mission. We don't see ourselves as separate from our divine mission. And that's the root of all uh, ill feelings when a person starts having a separate sense of self independent of their divine mission. When all I see myself is an expression of the divine in the world, nothing inhibits me. The sky is the limit. After all, I'm just an expression of the divine. I heard this incredible interpretation or explanation from the previous Rebbe. It's about the words in Tehillim that are said in Hallel. We say, Ana Hashem ki decha. Ana Hashem, because I am your servant. What does Ana mean? A lot of times people translate the words Ana as please, because the word Aleph Nun Aleph means please. But that's not how it's spelled in Halal. This is what the previous Rebbe points out. In Halal, it is spelled Aleph Nun Hey, where? It's not please Hashem, for I am your servant. It's where do you need me, Hashem? I am your servant. When we see ourselves in this way as, where do you need me? Here I am. That is the ultimate bliss. It's no self-consciousness. It's total in tune, in sync with a divine consciousness. So every mitzvah is that. Every mitzvah is this opportunity to fix within ourselves the soul consciousness. But even without having the soul consciousness, a person can perform any mitzvah. You can perform any mitzvah pretty much and still have good rampant ego but there is one mitzvah that you cannot fulfill unless you get to that soul space and what mitzvah is that that's ahavat yisrael ahavat yisrael forces you to come to the soul consciousness so if we understand that the root purpose of every single mitzvah is to come to elevate and transcend and raise the soul high above the body what mitzvah emphasizes this the most 
what mitzvah typifies this? This is Ahavat Yisrael. So that's first of all. We looked at raising upwards Ha'ala'ah, and this is most emphasized in Ahavat Yisrael. Excuse me that I keep vacillating between Ashkenazic and Sephardic accents. <laughs> I think it's just going to be like that throughout class. Sorry. Mila Mila Ad Ikara Visharsha Dechol Almen. To God, the source and root of all the worlds. Okay, so we're saying elevate your soul above the body. But then there's even a higher level than that. And that is to the root of root to Hashem, who is source and root of all the worlds. What does this mean? A person can become spiritually in tune so that before when they were very body driven and all they care about is materialism, they've raised themselves above that consciousness. And now they seek spirituality and nearness to Hashem. But what happened? They moved from having a body consciousness to a spiritual consciousness slash spiritual ego. It's still possible to have something of an ego when you have elevated and transcended the body, but are now a soul-based person to a certain extent. But then there's a place that you can rise higher and higher still till the root of everything. We go straight to Hashem. In this place, there's no separate consciousness. In this place, it's just totally about how do I express the divine in this world? And truly, a person who fills Ahavat Yisra- fulfills Ahavat Yisrael in the optimum way doesn't see himself as a separate ego. Not only doesn't he see himself as a sp- separate physical ego, he doesn't even see himself as a separate spiritual ego. He sees himself as a pure, utter expression of the divine. And this is most emphasized in Ahavat Yisrael. Okay, so that was phase one. Now we're going to look at phase two, drawing down. This too is most emphasized in Ahavat Yisrael. Vagam lahamshich or ein seif baruchu bechnesis Yisrael kimei sheis bar lekaman, and also to draw down the infinite light of the Ein Sof into the community of Israel, as will be explained further, and this is in chapter thirty-seven, meaning into the fountainhead of the souls of all Israel. So. What does that mean? So let's look at these two divine lights that bring the world into existence and maintain existence. They are known as Saiviv Ka'amen, the light that encompasses all of the worlds, and Mimali Ka'amen, the light that pervades or fills all the worlds. Let's look at the words of David HaMelech and Tehillim. David HaMelech and Tehillim writes, Kashar Chafet Hashem Asa. Whatever Hashem desired, he did. Really? What are you teaching us there? Is anybody going to think that somebody can stop the creator of the world from doing whatever he wants? Nobody's going to think that. We have to understand what does this mean. Kabbalah explains, Hashem Asa means whatever Hashem desired, he made. From his will, everything came into being. So for us, what is our will? We want something and then it happens? No. We want something and our will is a catalyst to then get us to take the proper actions so we can make it happen. That's the human experience. But in the divine, as soon as Hashem wants, it comes into being. But earlier in Tehillim, David HaMelech says, Bidvar Hashem shemaim nasu. By the word of Hashem, the heavens were created. So is everything from Hashem's will or is everything from Hashem's word? And also, our sages in Perkei say, The world was created by ten utterances. Again, the worlds were created with words. So is it will or is it words? 
and Kabbalah explains it's both. There's Chaymer and Sura, form and matter. The matter is bringing into being from non-being, just the very existence, something from nothing, that's Chaymer, that's matter. And then there's form. Form is the individual properties and characteristics that the things takes on. And that's Sura. From Hashem's will, the thing comes into being. Its form is created from non-being into being. That's Hashem's will. From Hashem's words, the individual properties of that thing are given. The words are a contracted form of divine light. Look at us ourselves. What are our words about? Are our words our essence? Are our words our thoughts, our intellect, our emotions? They're not. Our words are simply to express ourselves to those outside of us. When we talk about divine words, we're talking about Hashem contracting himself to reveal himself to created beings as though they are outside of himself. So now, looking at these two levels of will and words, looking at these levels of coming into existence from nothing, from non-being into being, or just getting its specific form, let's look at these two lights. There is Orha Saivev. It's called Saivev Kal Alman, that which surrounds all worlds. This is an utterly infinite energy, an utterly infinite divine energy that cannot be contained. The Altar Rebbe explains later in Tanya when it says Saivev Kal Alman, that it surrounds all worlds, it doesn't mean that it's not found within the thing. In fact, this is its essential life force. This is what's bringing it into being. But because it is so elusive, it is so above, it is so apart, we have no way to relate to it or feel it, it is called surrounds us, as if it surrounds us. This is what brings us into being. But it's as if it surrounds us because we cannot relate to it. We cannot feel it. And then there's Orham and Mali, the light that fills all worlds. That's the light that already gives us our individual character. And this is the divine light that we can relate to. It's a contracted form of divine light, and we can feel and perceive this divine energy. Okay. So we said there's the light that utterly transcends all the worlds, that cannot be drawn down into the worlds. And then there's the light that fills all worlds and has a relationship with all the worlds and pervades all the worlds. Ultimately, our sages told us in the Medrash that when Hashem created the world, he desired to have a dwelling place down here below. That means that his very essence should be here pervading the worlds. That light which utterly transcends these worlds should become manifest in this world. Even though it seems to be impossible, it is possible through Torah. And how is it possible? When this utterly transcendent light is channeled through the pervading light, it comes to be manifest in this world. Okay, are you with me? Now, let's look at a mitzvah. A mitzvah is the will of Hashem. What does that mean, Hashem's will? It utterly transcends all the worlds. It cannot be manifest in this world. And let's look at the source of our souls. Our souls as a collective whole is called Knesses Yisrael. This is the, the, the root, the source of the Jewish souls as they have come to be down here. 
These represent the lights that already pervade the worlds. Does anybody have a question about that? We're talking about the, the souls being the, lights that per, the light that pervades the worlds. Listen, I thought that the souls come from Hashem's essence. So why are we saying that they're a contracted form of divine light? And the reason for it is the soul in its root of roots is from Hashem's very essence. And yet, as it comes to be channeled and manifest in this world, it takes on a diminished consciousness. It comes to be contracted so that it can be invested here. The source for the souls as they have come to be expressed in this world is the divine utterance, Naase Adam, let us make man. Remember, if these are words, it's already a contracted form of divine light. Anytime a Jewish person does a mitzvah, which is Hashem's will, read this as Hashem's utterly transcendent light, then what is he doing? He's taking this utterly transcendent light, channeling it through his soul, the pervading light, and expressing it in this world. This is the purpose of the entire Torah, drawing down the utterly infinite light within the pervading light, channeling it into this world. Later on in Tanya, the Altar explains that this place where the souls come from is also known as Shekhinah. We've heard that term before, Shekhinah. It's from Lishkon, to dwell. Do you know that all divine energy is channeled through the Jewish soul? Creation cannot have a direct relationship with the creator. It is so utterly removed from him. What is the point of transfer of this divine energy? The Shekhinah, the source of the Jewish souls. Those worlds, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, they're getting their energy through the Jewish soul. The Jewish soul transfers divine energy into all created beings, into all of the worlds. This is Shekhinah. And this is the point of the entire Torah. Yechud kuchabrichu ushchinte to unite kuchabrichu the utterly removed energy that is so transcendent with his shekhinah that which pervades the worlds. So we're understanding two things. The Torah is about transcending, living with the soul consciousness, and then pervading, channeling the utterly infinite divine energy within the pervading energy. And both of these are most expressed in Ahavat Yisrael. Let's continue reading. So that the one God will reside within Israel, but only insofar as they are one, meaning united. Okay, so these, these, these words, come from the Zohar. It is in the Kagavna prayer that people say on Friday night. And this is what it says. La Yasiv al Kursaya Dikare Ad is Avidas Ihi Barazda Echad, Kagavna Delay, Lemehave Echad Be Echad. Meaning, Hakadesh Barahu, the encompassing light, who is one above, and when we say Hashem is one, let's call to mind the words of Maimonides, the Rambam, who says this is a oneness like we don't know. It's not composite of parts, it's not one in a numerical sense, it's utter oneness that we don't even understand. Truly true oneness, okay? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is one above, does not sit and rest on his throne of glory. His throne of glory is the Sephira of Malchus, and this means the pervading light. So the encompassing light does not come to be channeled into the pervading light, which is Knesset Yisrael, until the throne too is arranged in the secret of one, like Hashem himself, 
And then the one of the Ein Sof Baruch Hu is drawn into the throne because it too, the throne, the Kisei, Shekhinah, Malchus, the souls of Israel, is in the aspect of one. So we want to channel through the act of the mitzvah, this utterly divine, this utterly infinite divine energy. It cannot happen until we too are arranged in the secret of one. We are anyway one. Let's make this very, very clear. The Jewish people in our essence, like it or not, we're all one. We all share that common root. And at that place, we're not like one arm and one leg. We're actually one. We form this one soul where we really are no different from each other. We are one. Okay? But in order for us to channel this utterly infinite divine energy and make it pervade the world through our pervading energy... We have to be in tune with that oneness. If a person feels himself separate from the rest of the Jewish people and he's doing a mitzvah, his separate consciousness is becoming like a roadblock from channeling that energy into the world. When we are in tune to our oneness, we can channel the infinite divine energy into this world. Take what is utterly unable to be manifest something that totally transcends creation cannot even be brought down here we could bring it down here but we have to be arranged in the secret of one we have to be in tune to our inherent oneness we're anyway one but if we don't feel ourselves that way then it becomes like a blemish it's like a hole in a vessel it cannot contain what is in it when we align ourselves with the truth that we're truly one every time we do that even just as an individual, but you can imagine what happens when the Jewish people as a collective whole will do that. Just as an individual, when we align ourselves with that consciousness, we are able to draw down the utterly infinite light of Hashem into the world, make it pervade and manifest. And this is the point of the Torah. The point of the Torah is to take that which is utterly infinite, Hashem's essence, and channel it into the world. Take what is uncommunicable, untransferable, and somehow make it manifest in this world. Now, the altar stresses, But this indwelling of the light of the Ein Sof in the community of Israel is impossible if there is disunity between the souls, God forbid. For God does not dwell in an imperfect, fragmented place. So in order for us to effect this, we have to be in a place of unity. You can say, well, we're never going to do it. How are we ever going to do it? Do we all feel like we're one? It takes each one of us. If each one of us individually feels totally connected to the rest of the Jewish people, we become that channel. We become that channel to manifest the utterly infinite transcendent light of Hashem and make it pervade the world. When we're in tune to our oneness, we can channel that oneness into the world. Now you can say, okay, listen, forget it. It's not for me. (laughs) I'm not a soul person. I'm a body person. How in the world am I ever going to make this happen? Well, just by us behaving in a certain way, we trigger the essence of our soul. The Sefer HaChinuch writes that our hearts are drawn after our actions. So when we act in a certain way, think of it as behavior therapy, we elicit that response from within us. So even if we don't feel like we have a soul consciousness, 
but we're more of a body consciousness, but we act with kindness towards each other. And we try to think positive thoughts about each other. And we are living with that space of Ahavas Yisrael. Then we access the essence of our soul. Just by behaving this way, we are able to access this higher space within ourselves. And there is a story of the Alter Rebbe where somebody came to him and said, you know, I just want to tell you, but that chassid of yours, he's really not what he makes himself out to be. He's like a pretender. He's a hypocrite. He pretends to be so righteous, but really, you know, he's not all that. I just thought I'd let you know. So the Alter Rebbe looks at him and he says, well, if that's the case, May he meet the end that the Talmud predicts for such people. And the man who told on him suddenly felt so bad. I mean, he just felt like he was doing the Alter Rebbe a favor by telling him, you know, he's not really all that, but he didn't want to bring bad things to the guy. And the Alter Rebbe explained that the Mishnah says, in describing the laws of charity, who can take and who cannot take charity, that a person who pretends to be poor but is not really poor, or somebody who pretends to be lame or blind, but is not that way, and this was in a ruse to collect charity, will not die of old age until he first becomes that way. So somebody was collecting alms, pretending to be poor. They will not die of old age until they're actually poor. So the altar rabbi said, you said about this man that he pretends to be more righteous than he is. Let him not die of old age until he's actually as righteous as he pretends to be. It's okay. Pretend to be righteous. Act better than you think you are. Because first of all, you're actually not being a hypocrite. You're actually expressing the essence of your soul. Even if you have a body consciousness of saying, no, no, it's not really who you are. That is who you are. You know when you're a hypocrite? When you're doing the wrong thing. When you're doing a wrong, the wrong thing, you're betraying your essence. But when you're doing the right thing, even though you have an evil inclination that's pulling you the other way, remember, that's actually who you are. It's the animal soul that's the hypocrite. But when you are acting with Avas Yisrael, if, even if you don't feel like you're there, that's anyway who you are. And besides, you're triggering it within yourself. You're accessing the essence of your soul. So do we say in our prayers, Bless us, our Father, all as one with the light of your countenance, indicating that the light of God's countenance can be revealed only when we are united all as one, as explained elsewhere at length. Okay, so we're saying bless us, our Father. Let's look at the word barchenu, bless. The word bless comes from the word hamshacha, to draw down. As for example, the Mishnah talks about hamavrechas hagefen, somebody who draws down the vine, plants it into the ground that way, dipping the head into the ground so that it sprouts a new shoot, pulling it down, hamavrech is drawing down. How do we draw down blessing? When we are all as one. When we say, bless us our Father all as one with the light of your countenance. We're talking about the light of God's countenance. It can be revealed only when we're all as one. This is, explains the words of the prayers. And just to backtrack, because we're talking about bracha. You know the words of the bracha, we say, Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu melech haolam. Blessed are you, God, our God. King of the universe. And this underscores the point that the Jewish people are what channel divinity into this world. He is the king of the universe by first being our God. Baruch atah Hashem, blessed are you God. Elokeinu, our God. And thereby, Melech HaOlam, the king of the universe. So I'm going to summarize what we said until now. 
And that is that, how is Avas Yisrael the essence of the entire Torah? It actually expresses what the Torah is all about. The spiritual dynamic of the Torah is all about transcending and then coming down again amid this higher level of consciousness. The way to keep this mitzvah of Avas Yisrael is by transcending. In fact, the Tzemach Tzedek, the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, in describing the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael, says like this. What's the point of the entire Torah? It's to unite Kuchabrichu and Shechinte. Kuchabrichu and his Shechina. How does that happen? That happens through Avas Yisrael. The unity of Kuchabrichu, that which cannot be, that which totally transcends the world, which cannot be manifest, with his Shechina, in order to be manifest, is specifically through Ahavas Yisrael. That's the essence of the Torah. The essence of the Torah is to unite these. That happens specifically through Ahavas Yisrael. And every other mitzvah is just an expression of that. And he gives an analogy. He says, your unity with your friend, your friendship is because of your love. What brings you together? Your love. But then your love is expressed in different ways. You share intelligent ideas with each other. You have intellectual conversation. You show positive emotions to each other you do favors for each other but all those things sharing wisdom and showing affection and doing favors comes from one thing love and that's the same thing the entire Torah is about uniting Kuchibrichu and Shechina this happens through Avas Yisrael that's the primary union Avas Yisrael every other mitzvah is just an expression of that when we study Torah our wisdom unites with Hashem's wisdom when we have emotions for Hashem our emotions unite with his, with his, but that's all particular expressions of one thing. Our unity to Hashem through our love of each other. Ahavas Yisrael. So this is the twofold system. Transcending and that a Jewish person is able to transcend. That's the way we keep Ahavas Yisrael. We keep the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael by transcending. Every other mitzvah could be performed even without transcending, obviously Yisrael means we have to access the soul consciousness and then bringing down. When we unite with, our ch- with each other as a result of our transcendent space, then we allow the infinite light of Hashem to become manifest in this world. And that is actually the entire Torah. And I'm going to end with this story. That is the story of a tzaddik. There was a student of the Magad of Mezrich. His name was Rishmelka of Nicholsburg. Now, Reb Meishalev of Sasev, another great Hasidic master, as a youth was orphaned, and he came to learn from Reb Shmelka of Nicholsburg. This is his first introduction to him. So he comes to his house, and his house is full of wayfarers. And his wife is about to eat her meal. She comes to the windowsill, takes off her rings, about to wash from the basin, and suddenly an unkempt-looking individual comes right near the windowsill and scurry-scurries off. And she looks at the windowsill, and what do you know? Her ring is gone. So she makes the blessing. She eats from her bread. And then she starts screaming, my ring, my ring. It was worth a hundred coins. And her husband, Rosh Shmuelka, looks at the boy, Rav and he says, you're young, you're agile. Chase after that man and tell him that that ring is worth a hundred coins. He should sell it for no less than that. So he goes and he chases after the man and the man says, okay, that's it. I guess I have to give you the ring back. He goes, no, 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 I'm not here to, tell, to take the ring. I'm here to tell you, Rav Shmuelka wants you to know he gives it to you as a gift. And, because he doesn't want him to sin, right? And sell it for no less than a hundred coins. And he said, no, 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 I just want to give it back to you. And he said, he won't take it back. I'm sorry. But if you sell the ring and you use it, 
to help poor brides, that's your way of doing teshuva. And the man was so moved that he actually did teshuva. He no longer practiced as a thief. He earned an honest living and he supported many good and righteous causes. So that's where we got up until today. We're in the middle of chapter 32 and I'm opening up for questions and discussion.